Hello, everyone. Evan Wickham here from Park Hill Church, San Diego. So glad you're tuning into the podcast. We are celebrating five years as a church in San Diego. This Christmas Eve is our five-year anniversary. It's hard to believe. And God's faithfulness to this church has been so amazing. And we are celebrating by encouraging our community to grow in generosity and giving to Park Hill Church. So I just want to say at the beginning of this teaching, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, if the teachings out of Park Hill Church have helped you and equipped you in your life of discipleship to Jesus, we would love to invite you to prayerfully consider giving a year-end, five-year gift to Park Hill Church through our website, parkhillsd.church, and partner with us financially. Our church is being called to grow 100% in participation in this call. And you're going to hear more about that in this teaching because this is kind of an update, a vision update, and an exciting look at what's to come in 2023, coupled with a call to participate in various ways, one of which is prayerfully considering giving. So if you would do that, great. Obviously, we encourage primarily giving to the local church you are a part of. So anything over that, if the Spirit leads you, please do at parkhillsd.church. All right, let's get to the teaching. Thank you, Drew. Good morning. Uh, Revelation, Revelation, no S, 19, 11 to 21. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages the war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and his head are many crowns. He has a name written on them. He has a rain written on that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury with the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying midair, come, gather together for the great supper of the God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gather together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Altia. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. If you're new, welcome to Park Hill Church. My name is Evan Wickham. My wife Sandy and I have the privilege, it's an honor, to to lead this church together. And we're so glad you're here. So we are nearing the end of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. We're in the second half of Revelation 19, which Altea just read very well. That was incredible. It felt very uh, just dramatic. Um, It's a dramatic picture, right, in Revelation 19 of how Jesus wins. It's probably the most dramatic picture in the Bible of how Jesus wins the final victory and launches a forever wedding feast for all of you and all of me and all of us, his family forever. This text shows us the moment you're waiting for. And and every Jesus follower in every culture and language and nation and time is waiting for. It's the final victory of Christ the King. It is the final victory of Christ the King. And we come to this text on the perfect day because today is the final Sunday of the church calendar, which we like to reference around here. Today, if you know the church calendar, what's next Sunday? Advent. Advent starts next Sunday. It's awesome. Which means today is Christ the King Sunday. I don't know how many of us knew that. Today's Christ the King Sunday, uh, which, which is the final day of the year. 
all about celebrating the final victory and authority of King Jesus over everything. That's how this thing is set up. It's amazing, which is exactly what Revelation 19 is about. So not only is it Christ the King Sunday, not only is it Revelation 19, but what makes this day even cooler, you guys, we are coming up to a big mark in the life of our church. In one month, on Christmas Eve 22, Park Hill will be celebrating five years as a church in San Diego. Half a decade, you guys. We want to celebrate this, this Advent season. God has been so faithful to us for this half decade. Jesus has accomplished so many victories through you, through this church. We can measure them. We can tell stories about them, and we're going to do that today. In fact, the Park Hill leadership team, which myself, the elders, Sandy, and the rest of the elders, we believe from now to end of year 2022 is a special season Jesus is calling our church into, a season of celebration and participation. I'm going to tell you what that means today. We're convinced this is God's desire for 100% of this church, 100% participation in this, at this five-year mark in our story. So to that end... Uh, the leadership agreed that today calls for sort of, a, uh, sort of a state of the family address, if you would, kind of. And so I'm going to update you all on some incredible things God has done through you and then give the vision for 2023. We're going to pull back the curtain and let you know what's coming in the immediate future for our church. So last week, um, last week our team, aside from passing the stomach bug to each other, all because the week before we had a staff retreat, uh, but the last two weeks, our team has been sort of freaking out, like with giddiness, uh, just thinking of these things that we're going to be sharing with you today, and, and thinking of what we're calling you to. There will be very clear calls to participate today. Um, so here's the plan. We're going to briefly absorb Revelation 19 and this scene of Jesus' final victory for like 15 minutes, and then for the rest of our time... It'll be sort of a five-year celebration and vision moment for our community where I will give those two calls. Number one, a call to celebrate Jesus' past victories with photos and stuff. And then number two, a call to participate in Jesus' future victory right here in this church with the plan for the year along with four very clear, practical ways to participate. So again, the reason we want to do this, Jesus' tangible victories in this church, you have the next slide. Jesus' tangible victories, slide six, I think. It, yeah, there it is. Right here, his victories are a foretaste of the final victory that we're going to read about. Every victory he accomplishes, every, every person in this room represents one. And, and they, they, they're a foretaste of what's to come. And so as we approach end of year 2022, we're being called to grow in how we celebrate and participate in Jesus' victory here, until he comes again and, and just, that's a wrap with Jesus. So how does that sound today? Sound good. So let's get started with prayer. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and open our minds to the revelation of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Pour out the love of the Father on our hearts. We're about to ramp up into what is often a frantic, busy, honestly a mixed season of both darkness and light, sadness and joy for many of us. Holiday, Christmas, Advent. It's a mixed bag, it's full of high highs and low lows. And so right now, a week before it all starts, we pause and remember how faithful you've been. Thank you, Jesus. Show us your goodness afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look down at Revelation 19.11 in your Bibles. it starts, I saw heaven open and look. That's how it starts. Heaven opens and in the Greek he says, behold. That's the opening line of this chapter. This is the opening line of the final act. Remember, we're talking about Revelation like a five-act play. And every act opens with the word open. Because that's what the apocalypse is all about. Opening the curtain. To see Jesus, clearly. To see who he really is. The revelation of Jesus opens our eyes to see that the greatest unseen reality of your present moment is a slain lamb in the middle of the universe on a throne. That's the greatest unseen reality in the universe. That means, guess what? Things are not as they seem to your naked eye. To 
to our natural, spiritually closed eyes, it seems like evil's winning, abusers are winning, corruption and war and sickness might get the last word. It seems that way. But Revelation opens our eyes to see things are not as they seem. Christ the King is the greatest unseen reality of the present moment. You guys, he's right behind the veil. He's right there. And his ultimate victory over all evil is 100% settled. And when our eyes are open to this reality, we can't unsee him. Our fear takes a back seat to faith and hope. So here in Revelation 19, heaven itself breaks open and what comes through? It's Jesus like we've never seen him before. Look at the rest, look at this next chunk. I saw heaven open and there before me a white horse whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head many crowns. He has a name written on him no one knows but himself. Robe dipped in blood. His name's the word of God. Armies of heaven are following him. They're on white horses. That's us, you guys. We're following the white horse rider with our own white horses. Dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth is this sharp sword. He speaks the word of God. And he treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God. And, and he has this thing written on his body. It's his, it's his rank. It's his rank over the cosmos, king of kings and lord of lords. You guys, the lamb who was slain now comes as a warrior judge. The bridegroom of our forever wedding comes as a conquering king. Jesus is the warrior to end all wars. But as we read the text, guess what? We discover that this warrior does not come to fight a battle per se, at least not like you and I think of a battle. For sure, he comes with the armies of heaven, and yes, Satan and the beast, and all the kings of the earth, they gather to try to make war. I picture Lord of the Rings and all the bad orcs like gathering and like this pile of darkness just gathering against Jesus like a tsunami. But guess what? The war is never fought. The dreaded battle of Armageddon, it never gets off the ground. Look at the, look at the text. Look at 19, verse 19. He says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet. With these signs, he deluded those who had received the mark. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider. And all the birds eat him up. What just happened? There's no, there's no battle. In the words of New Testament scholar Paul Barnett, this scene describes a complete anti-climax. It's like all the evil forces from all history are gathering, the darkness builds, the bad guys get all hyped up, and they're dead. They're dead before it starts. Why isn't the battle fought? Two reasons. Number one, Jesus simply shows up, flashes his sword, that is, he speaks, and it's over. Done. Jesus is so powerful, he only needs to speak. When Jesus shows up and speaks, the beast is finished. And not just the beast, but everything and everyone aligned with the beast is done. Gone. Jesus just shows up and speaks, and, and all fighting is over forever. So do you believe this? Jesus speaks and victory results. Do you believe this? How would our lives change if we woke up Monday morning believing, oh, when Jesus speaks, victory results? Oh, I can go to the book for that. He speaks through the word of God. I can base my life on this thing. I better go to it more often. I better see how he's speaking through this text to my heart in the real heartbeat between him and I. Do we believe when Jesus speaks, victory results? That's what happened. That's why the battle never takes off. Second reason it doesn't get fought is because it doesn't need to be fought. Armageddon's never fought. The battle for the world's never fought because it's unnecessary. Why? Because the battle for the world was fought on Good Friday at the cross. That's why we call the worst day in human history Good Friday. 
The battle for the world was fought and won on a Roman cross on a hill called Calvary. And Paul said it like this in his letter to the Colossians, having disarmed, having disarmed the powers and authorities, you have slide 12, I think it is, next slide, having disarmed the powers and authorities, Christ made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The battle for the world was fought and won way before Jesus gave John the revelation on the island of Patmos, right? Now, heaven opens and Jesus, the warrior judge, comes riding through not to fight a battle. He already won the battle as a slain lamb. Notice Jesus' clothing. Did you see his clothing? As he's riding the white horse, what's his uniform? He rides up in a robe already bloody. Before the battle, he's bloody. Check it out. He's dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. And what's our uniforms? Spotless. You guys, we, the armies of heaven, whole family of God, you and me, dressed in fine, perfectly clean robes. Why? You guys, your robes are clean because Jesus' robe is already bloody. This isn't, this isn't the blood of Jesus' enemies. Because the war hasn't started, this is Jesus' own blood that washes and forgives everyone who trusts Jesus with their life. So question, if the battle for the world is already won at the cross, why is Jesus bothering even riding up to this one? Because now Jesus is coming to fully realize the consequences of his victory. The blood that washes everyone who trusts Jesus is also the blood that wipes out everyone who opposes Jesus. So in verse 17 and 18, we see the fallout of this victory. It's bigger than nuclear. It's cosmic fallout. And, 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 and it doesn't sit well with us in 2022. We're good pluralists, we're good relativists, and we don't like stuff like this. But, but look what happens. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come, gather together for the great supper of God. It's like, oh, cool, a wedding feast. Nope, this is a different kind of supper. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. This is very graphic. An angel inviting all the vultures to come gorge themselves on the carcasses of everyone that remains against Jesus. How are you feeling right now? This, this is what happens to every person, demon, system, and ideology that remains opposed to Christ the King. This is a Christ the King Sunday sermon. Jesus the warrior, judge, destroys all against him. How does that sit with you? How do you feel about this? Be self-reflective. Observe your reaction right now. Whatever you're feeling, why are you feeling that? If you feel discomfort with the idea of Jesus as warrior judge, of course you're not alone, right? I think you're probably in the majority in the West. That discomfort, it's very common. We're Americans. We're Westerners. We have trouble. We have trouble with Jesus, who is perfect love, also coming as warrior judge. Because as Westerners, we prefer reductionism over complexity. It's not just that we want a warm, fuzzy Jesus, it's that we don't like nuance. We don't like taking in all the data. It's too hard. It's like Jesus' voice melts hearts, not melts whole armies, right? Yes, he absolutely wins human hearts with this perfect love, but now we're getting information that doesn't fit our narrative. Jesus speaks and everyone against him dies. That doesn't fit our reduced price Jesus picture. Because, you guys, let's be honest, reductionism is so much easier than complexity. Which is a bummer for us because I think you know in the, in the relationships you love that reality is complicated. Love is complicated. Right? In a real world full of sin, and suffering and abusive relationships where it gets mixed up with loving feelings becomes very complicated, very quickly. 
We know this in our own lives. I'm like, yeah, love is complicated. Man, it's so complicated for me personally. Uh, But when it comes to God, we forget and we're like, no, God's love is simple. He doesn't judge. It's just mercy. So let's be honest with ourselves. It's really hard for us to bring together two seemingly conflicting ideas into one complex integrated idea. We prefer TikTok and Instagram stories to give us our thoughts of God. Because let's be real, who has time to actually get their ideas from a whole book, you know? Like really get a new idea from a whole book that you integrate into your life. That'd be hard, that's not, that's hard. I'll do required reading, but actually living into a new idea through a lot of information. No, we prefer, and we prefer, people are either conservative or liberal. None of this like nuanced, I see both sides stuff. That's weak. Or worse, that makes you complicit in the part I hate. This is America. We're so gifted at reducing complex realities into simplistic either-ors. And as Christians, Let's be honest, we do it all the time with Jesus. It's like Jesus can't be both perfectly loving and warrior judge who destroys everything against him because it's way harder to take the Bible's complex image of Christ the King. Philosopher Christopher Watkin, he talks about how to fix this. How, do, how, do we, how, do we, how should we be thinking? Love his new book, Biblical Critical Theory. I'm loving it, reading it with a group of pastors right now. And, and, he, and he brings up this image. He uses the metaphor of a puzzle. How many of you love thousand-piece jigsaw puzzles? Like, the more more pieces, the better. How many of you are that way? You're honest. I see zero hands. We We hate that. Maybe once a year, maybe once a year on our vacation, my wife, this is kind of a tradition now, on our three-week vacation, we do one chunk vacation, three weeks in a row every July, so we don't get our identities wrapped up in this church and ruin it. So, 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 so we, do, we do three weeks, and, and we break out like a one to 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle on a table for just three weeks, and we just walk by and just put pieces on. Who wants to sit there for a whole jigsaw puzzle? A lot of us hate them, even though, listen, you love solving puzzles with people you love. In the, in the relationships you value, you'll sit there for hours and hours and chase down the missing piece of communication. We really do love the puzzles we love. So, 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 so this is a picture of of the Jesus of the Bible from Christopher Watkin. It's a jigsaw puzzle. They all fit together. And we can only see the real Jesus when we fit all the pieces. Jesus is 100% justice and love and mercy and truth. This is what Watkins calls complex biblical reality. You guys, ugh, that's hard for us. We'd rather it be reduced and simple and agree with us. We'd rather it agree with us. We don't want complex biblical reality. You know what's easier? False dichotomies. Way easier. Like this one. I'd rather, I'd rather just Jesus be, be justice. No, no justice, no peace. That's Jesus. No justice, no peace. But, but if separate from love, it's loveless justice. And then justice becomes unfair, preferential. Everyone gets the same exact mercy. What about the abuser? What about, that's justiceless love. That's not going to work. So we try this one. Maybe Jesus is 50-50. Like part justice and part love. He makes compromises to his love in order to do justice. Or maybe he compromises justice in order to just like forgive you one more time. It's not going to work either. But when we draw from complex truth from all the Bible, we see Jesus in reality. And it looks more like this. He calls it diagonalization. We we actually cut through the binary and we get to a complicated reality because reality is complicated. And we see Jesus who's faithful and true, abounding in love and just. And it takes a lot of critical thinking to apply that to the world we live in, it's hard. But listen, 
God so loves the world that he will fully rid the world of the evil that hurts it. This is love and justice all the way to 10, both. And in Revelation 19, this is the Jesus we see. He's faithful and truth-telling. Riding out of heaven to lock up the beast and all his followers for good. And in, next week, in Revelation 20, we're going to see him beat the final enemy. You see Satan go down and hell go down. Hell even goes down in Revelation 20. And death goes down. So Jesus is going to do that. Now, we're about to transition into the state of the family address kind of update part. Um, and it's exciting stuff to share. So to get us there, I want to make one, like, linking observation from the text. In all the imagery around Jesus, look at this one piece that John sees. We could talk about all this stuff, but look at this one. On his head are many crowns. On his head are many crowns. In Roman culture, crowns were about royalty, but they were just as much about victory. Think of the Olympics. The winner got an olive leaf crown. The Greco-Roman culture invented the Olympics. And the champion would receive an olive wreath crown. It was like the medal, the gold medal. And it meant this guy or this girl won a specific victory today. That crown means a concrete act of victory. And, and, and so Jesus wears many. Revelation is all about crowns. There's crowns all over the place. And, and, and in the beginning, it's like, whoever overcomes, I'll give them a crown. You get a crown if you overcome, and you get a crown if you overcome. Jesus is throwing crowns all over the church, who overcomes. And then guess what? In Revelation 12, the Satan dragon gets, he has seven crowns. He has seven crowns. You guys, that's a big number. Why? Because Satan's won a lot of victories. He's caused a lot of pain. And then in Revelation 13, the beast has ten crowns. Why? Because human systems and corrupt ideologies have caused a lot of suffering. They have a lot of victories. It's a big number, 10. But, but how many crowns does King Jesus have? How many crowns? Countless. Many. More, Jesus has more than seven, more than 10. And unlike the mutant seven-headed dragon, all Jesus' crowns fit neatly together on one head, united under one infinitely powerful king. You guys, Jesus, sure, his enemies have won victories, but Jesus has won countless more, and I'm one of them. I'm one of Jesus' victories. This pastor's kid who should have deconstructed in his 20s is one of Jesus' victories who rides on the white horse. Jesus has won me, and he's won you. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are riding with white linens because his is already bloody. Look at this room full of the king's victories. Every person set free from the powers of evil is a crown on Jesus' head. Jesus rides victoriously with billions of crowns on his head. Church family, Park Hill, Jesus has accomplished countless victories here. Many that we've seen Many more that we'll see. We're going to be here for the long haul, and we believe there's more to come. So here's where we transition into kind of the update moment. As I said at the beginning, Jesus' victories, his crowns, slide 21 here, Jesus' tangible crowns on his head are, that we see at Park Hill, they're a foretaste of his final victory for his forever family. So as a church in San Diego in 2022, moving into 23, we're called to grow in celebrating Jesus' crowns, casting our crowns. Any reward we have is, is his. Ca this is us today casting crowns at Jesus' feet and watching him mount those crowns upon his head until he comes again. So the two calls today, celebrate, participate. First, celebrate. Coming up on five years. Are you guys ready for this? We're, I'm going to go through a quick list uh, of ten quick things with photos that we can see. Look at this. In the past year or so alone, for starters, Royal Family Kids Camp. You guys 
This church rose up to serve foster children and their families in San Diego through our second annual Royal Family Kids Camp last June. We can't wait to do our third one next June. Be ready to sign up and serve and give and all of that. And, and the next slide there, <laughs> look at that crown on Jesus' head. Being loved, being given, being given attention and affection Core memories in the kingdom. And so, uh, and this fall, next, next item, we also launched Alpha. We launched Alpha for the first time in our church. Alpha. <clears throat> there they are. Every table there is a, is a conversation about the big questions of life and faith and, and Jesus and suffering and God and what it means to doubt and what it means to pray. And, and um, it's a, a safe, welcoming meal and conversation for people exploring those big questions. You guys, in this first Alpha, people came to faith for the first time in Jesus. For the first time. Several people. Yeah. Several more moved from struggling with doubt to integrating their doubts into a complex, mature you could call it spiritual formation. Oh, there's more mystery, and that's okay. And I'm following Jesus with the questions that are on the margin instead of guiding my core. And, and it's beautiful, that all that stuff. That happened. So you'll see at least one of them. One of them's already signed up for baptisms on December 4th. Um, can't wait for next Alpha course. It launches January, uh, I think, 24th. January 24th. So, so we hope all of you sign up. We hope all of you come be a part of Alpha. And invite your friends and family who don't know Jesus. We want to have an alpha culture here. It's really evangelism for the rest of us is what it is. And then this year, next item, victory. We added pastoral staff. So see that room. You can go back to that big one. That is, that is a Friendsgiving meal. So Friendsgiving every year, we invite everyone in every community to come celebrate Jesus around Thanksgiving. And, and uh, this one's from last year. And we have never had enough pastors <laughs> to pastor this group. Uh, and, and until this year, we haven't had nearly enough, but we just made a few new hires of pastors. Uh, and, and so you can, you can go to the next slide. There's a group, a couple pastors in that, in that group. Because of your giving to this church, this year we're able to hire Greg Pikin and Bree, Greg Pikin and, and Bree Golden as part-time, yeah, as as part-time pastors of community care. And then Jake Fisher, is, he came from, he was there with us from the beginning of Park Hills Plant. Jake Fisher was the first guy to move from Portland, before Sandy and I, to move from Portland to start planting this thing. Because we're like, hey, we can't move yet. He's like, I can. And so he moved down and, and, and he set up shop and, and started just hitting the pavement. And that was five, over five years ago. And then he went volunteer and then he went part-time. And this year he went full-time as pastor of volunteer teams. <laughs> And then, and then, of course, David Wade was hired this year. Uh, David came on as one of our embedded church planners, and, and now he's directing Park Hill Youth. He's coordinating that. And he's also leading our first ever, and this is another item to celebrate, he's leading our first ever race and belonging cohort. So here's what that is. So... This, this cohort, it's, in, it's been invite only, and it launched in early 2022, the Race and Belonging Cohort. It's a, it's a group of racially diverse voices from within this church for the purpose of sharing our different experiences and lovingly speaking into one another's blind spots within relationship, within relationship. And, and the ultimate goal is, is to become, the goal, the goal of this cohort is to gradually become a more racially aware church in the Revelation 7 sense, in the biblical justice sense, not just, not just secular social justice, but biblical justice, which has social implications. And so that's every language, Revelation 7, every language, tribe, tongue, seeing each other and worshiping the lamb in our different ways. And so that's what this is about. Uh, Sandy and I got to sit in on several meetings this year. We're gonna keep adding and expanding this cohort to impact the whole church over time. Huge victory, you guys. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, is to have intense, traumatic, and, and, and healing conversations about these things in the local church. And so there's, even, there's more to celebrate, you guys. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Life spring, we get water. So the walk for water, you guys, we've built uh, four, over four, wells for thirsty communities on the African continent. This is a huge crown on Jesus' head, you guys. Huge victory. In Jesus' name, 
communities are being transformed by the most basic necessity of water in Jesus' name, specifically along with the spoken gospel. So, so that is, there it is, and those canisters contain the average amount of water, dirty water, that a person in a village would carry to drink uh, 3.7 miles. So, so we filled them up with clean water to symbolize standing in solidarity with these communities and healing their communities with, with cleansed water. So, uh, so moving on, we, you, so you gave, you gave for that. Now moving on, this one, there's a couple slides for this. We partnered with Love Does Afghanistan. So over the last couple years, we haven't been able to talk about this a lot because of the sensitive work they do. Um, but, but that's, you know, Bob Goff, he's right here, he's a local, local boy, San Diego. He, he, sp he, pre he spoke at our church launch uh, back on Christmas Eve 2017. Just a dear friend of the church. This right here is a school that your giving helped build for, for, for students for Afghan students displaced by ISIS terrorist attacks. And so we helped rebuild two schools. This is the first one. Um, and, and so here's Bob, next slide. Here's Bob with Arif, who is the godly, Jesus-loving leader on the ground in Afghanistan who directly oversees the students you've helped build schools for. Um, and, and then, next slide, here's the female students um, just working away. In, this is this picture is from like a week ago, so this is their new school site after the tragic ending of the Afghanistan war last year. So so they had to leave, they had to leave the places we've built because of now the new presence of the Taliban regime um, forced them to leave, and now this is their new safe place of education that we've helped them, we've supported them in having. And he, next slide, here's a very recent shot of what appears to be a birthday in in that school. And then finally, also from a week ago, this the student body just waving from their, their safe school site. Um, so I can't, I can't say a ton about this next part, but through this partnership with Love Does Afghanistan, in the name of Jesus, we've helped rescue 40 to 50-ish people out of conflict zones during the traumatic end of the war. Last fall, when everything went south there, some airlifted, some escorted on the ground. These are huge victories in Jesus' name, huge victories. And, and, and yes, so that, that came out of our outward-facing justice budget that comes out of every dollar that you give. And then, um, hello, is that, there it is, sorry. And now bringing it back home to San Diego, you guys. Here we go, back home, we supported Crew. Crew, it's, it's a campus ministry. And this, this, this branch of Crew is led by our very own Jason and Leah Geck. Hey guys, I know you guys are in Florida. I don't know where you're looking at me, but you guys are in Florida for Thanksgiving. Well done uh, preaching the gospel on high school campuses. Um, so, so we were able to support Jason. Here, I think you see him. There he is. <laughs> He's just, you know, rocking the preacher coach pose for, uh, for a bunch of students at one of the schools in our county. He leads, they also, Jason and Leah, they also lead a Park Hill community. Um, so, and then the second picture is a small group, extracurricular small group on the beach, talking about Jesus. So you, that's, you supported that in, in a small amount. That's a smaller item, uh, budget-wise, but we supported them. And, uh, and, then, and then the next one is it's a guy named B.J. Thompson has an organization called Build a Better Us, which provides counseling and health services. No, uh, back, the video. Do you have the video? Counseling and health services for communities that are underprivileged. And, and we provide these services in Jesus' name. That's what Build a Better Us does. And so this is just one sweet kid getting much needed dental care through Build a Better Us. And so that's a little, little silent video there. And then next, next slide. And so, so, oh, back to Phil and Diane Comer. They have that one. Back to Phil and Diane, there it is. So two more, this is second to last. We, um, we supported discipleship, oh, it's my fault, I, I went out of order, you're doing fine. We supported, we supported discipleship for parents all over America. This is Phil and Diane Comer, the parents of John Mark Comer. They have an organization called Intentional Parenting, and they just train up parents all over, they've given their whole lives to training up parents to raise godly Jesus followers, and we have supported them for a couple of years um, through, our, through our giving. And then, and then finally, past the, 
Build a Better Us video, we have, this is Equal Justice Initiative. And so that guy in the front and center, godly Jesus follower named Brian Stevenson, who, who had a vision to create a nonprofit legal team committed to advocating for the poorest Americans and ending mass incarceration and racial inequality in America, led by follower of Jesus, Brian Stevenson. And so a, a, a small portion of our outward justice giving has gone to advocate for the poorest in our country. And so, so finally, slide 40. You guys see that list? This is what we just talked about. Next slide. That's it. There it is. You guys, crowns, crowns on the head of Jesus. You're, I know you're, you're clapping. Think about who you're clapping for. It is both. It is both you and infinitely more so Christ through you, but not negating you. We are crowns on Jesus' head. We are also casting crowns at Jesus' feet, both. So, so this, is, this is Jesus. This is the body of Jesus tangibly witnessed. These are receipts, you guys. These are receipts for the crowns. And, and of course, that list doesn't even include all the stuff you guys do. Like with your normal like heart and vision and your nonprofits and your neighborhood things that you do. This doesn't include all the kingdom stuff I know a lot of you do. Jesus victories, you guys. So first and foremost, next slide. This is a call to celebrate. End of year 2022 is a season of celebrating Jesus' victories. Crown him knowing that these are all a foretaste. These are a foretaste of that white rider, that white horse and the rider who's faithful and true coming in and receiving all the benefits of his labor. Which leads to the second and final call, and that is a call to participate. The local church is the primary place Jesus' victory is lived out. Right here. The local church. It's the primary place. We do this by participating in very tangible ways. So, again, there's many reasons why I'm, we're doing this. Uh, it's five years as a church is a huge deal. So myself and the, the elder team, who's uh, Luis and Erica Mayado, you can go on the website and see the elders, uh, Matthew Ruffay, me and Sandy, Matt and Aaliyah Persley, along with the extended board of directors, who's the Vitisiches and the McDonald's up in Portland, which, so the board of directors and elders have a bit of overlap, uh, but there's majority unpaid uh, on both teams. So uh, all, that, all that to say, we, we believe, we agree that God is calling Park Hill Church to participate in, in four ways. Number one, participate in Advent. Advent and what we're calling Justice Sunday. So Advent and Christmas, just worship him through Advent, that second part. Enjoy your gift boxes. You guys, do you see, can, can you see gift boxes around the room? Maybe someone could, oh, see that pile next to my wife, Sandy, there. There's a giant stack of boxes. There's, I think, well over 100. And um, these boxes are for families and communities. And so I want, I'm calling everyone to go ahead, if you're a community leader, grab a community box. If you uh, want one for your family, go ahead and grab a family box. Go to where? Kids area. Go to kids area. Ariel's distributing out the family ones. These boxes have everything you need, including a QR code with our published Advent worship guide for home. Um, everything you need to celebrate the coming of Jesus in your homes and communities. And then the third, the third way to participate this way is Justice Sunday. This is all participation number one. We're going to end this whole season with what we're calling Justice Sunday. We've never done this before. Pumped about it. So this year, Christmas and New Year's Day fall on Sunday. I don't know if you knew that. So <laughs> we're not having regular gatherings on either of those days. No Sunday morning, no Sunday gatherings on Christmas. Um, so Christmas Eve is the last gathering of the year. Christmas Eve at 4 p.m., we're going to gather right here, sing carols, light candles, and, and then we go celebrate Christmas with our families on Christmas Day, and then, listen, on New Year's Day, this whole church will be participating in Justice Sunday. What does that mean? 
It means everyone will participate in one of four big projects for the sake of the city. That's our worship on the first Sunday of the year. Participate in four projects. And these four projects are based on God's four favorites. You know who his favorites are in the Old Testament? He's obsessed with the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the foreigner. Carl Ellis calls them the unfortunate quartet. He's, God's always going on and on about the widow, the poor, the orphan, and the foreigner. And so we are going to follow God in that on Justice Sunday. And so I'm not going to read through this. Just see it. We're going to partner with Generate Hope in putting on a little worship service for a, a survival house of, of survivors of sex trafficking. We're going to join Olive Crest in serve, creating basically a daycare, a, re, a relief day for families with foster kids right here. And so they can enjoy New Year's Day, kind of a, kind of a chill day, and we'll, we'll watch the kids. And then the other two, San Diego Rescue Mission, a ton of you, these are unlimited, a ton of you are going to go pass out basic essential kits to the uh, pe- persons experiencing homelessness in San Diego. And we have an organized, we have, we have sign-ups for all these starting next week. And then finally, we're going to do a walk, a We Get Water thing, a walk up Iron Mountain where Drew Enos is going to lead the charge with a guitar on his back and then lead communion at the top of the mountain. So <laughs> he'll be so sweaty. Um, <laughs> You got, you got to pay 10 bucks to see him sweat that out, but, but it's going to be great. So, so those four things, it's, it, that's, the first, that's the first big call to participate in Jesus' victory this season. Show up for Advent and Justice Sunday. More to come. Just be sure today, grab a box. Grab a box for your community or family. Now here's the second tangible call. Participate in 2023. Participate in 2023 vision. I'm going to tell you what it is. Since the beginning of Park Hill, we've been diehard, maybe you're sick of hearing, committed to practicing Jesus' way in this city. And so the Park Hill elders and board of directors have been praying, what does that practically look like for 2023? And we're thrilled about what's in store. So every year we have sort of a guiding phrase or a guiding word, which really starts with Sandy. It really starts with Sandy. Uh, she and I get away each year to a monastery, and she comes out of this, this monastic retreat with like a guiding prophetic thought. The guiding thought for 2022 was the idea of family, which is why we revamped our basics class and had more clarity around what it means to be in community. And it's why we started Park Hill Together, like Meals in the Park, it was all to really lean into being not just nuclear families, but spiritual family. And, and so that, that was this year, and we've seen Jesus' victory. You guys, 530 people are now in Park Hill communities. So that's more than in this room. That's, that's almost, that's, that's close to 100% of people who show up on like kind of a medium-low Sunday. You know, that's a lot of people committed to family. That's, that's Jesus' victory, you guys. And so as we look to the new year, here's, you're ready. Last year was family. As we look to the new year, here's the guiding idea, and it's this. It's God's thoughts. God's thoughts. And it comes, it comes out of this idea from Jeremiah where God says, hey, I've known the thoughts that I'm thinking toward you, says what Yahweh Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you future and hope. You guys, that's a beautiful verse by itself, but it's even better in context. You know where God spoke those words? To his children when they were exiles in Babylon, in secular turf. He's like, hey, hey kids, I know you're surrounded by all kinds of conflicting ideologies and different gods and conflicting thoughts about what it means to be human and life, and sex, and idols, and creation, and nature. And you don't even know what it means to be yourself. But listen, God says, I know my thoughts. You don't know what your thoughts are, but I know my thoughts. They're about you, and, and everything else, and you in everything. And guess what? He says, my thoughts are really good thoughts. They lead to your peace. They lead to your hope. And, and, get, and then he says, you can know my thoughts. <laughs> I'm God, you're human, but I've set this thing up so my human family can know my thoughts. I will make sure you can know my thoughts, which is why Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 says, who has known the mind of the Lord? We have the mind of Christ. 
through the Spirit. So, so like ancient exiles in Babylon, like John exiled on the island of Patmos, we are God's heavenly exiles in America. Temporary exiles in American culture. And in 2023, God wants, listen, Park Hill Church, God wants Park Hill to understand more than ever, hey, San Diego, Park Hill Church, I, I know you're hearing competing stories, but listen, I have, a, I have really good thoughts about everything. Thoughts on life and love and justice and sexuality and money and politics and what it means to be human. If you receive my thoughts on these things, you will have true peace. You will have hope. So what will this practically look like? Very simple. We're not making any huge changes. We really like this church. We like what's going on. So we're not making any big additions. So these, these three layers, two of them don't even feel like new things. So the third one is new. So the first two don't feel new. Here they are. Bread, which is a Bible reading plan that is going to be a PDF and it's going to be a journal you can buy and it's praying through the whole New Testament as a whole church and we're all going to do it from January 1 to December 31, 2023 and it's going to feed in and out of our sermons and it's going to unite our church in prayer and we're going to learn how to read the New Testament and pray it together. B-R-E-A-D, breathe, read, encounter, apply, devote. It's basically Lectio Divina just without the pretentious Latin. You know, so, so, so bread and, and then 24 seven prayer, that's moments of prayer, like seek first Sunday, but it's also a little notification on your phone through a shared app that will, if you have five seconds at 9am or five minutes or 15, just know all of Park Hill Church is getting the same notification to pray for X at 9am or pray for Y at 12pm or pray for Z at 4pm three times a day for 365 days a year, uniting this church around fixed hour prayer. Wherever you're at. You're at work, it's only five seconds, great. It's your day off, 10 minutes, beautiful. But it's, but it's both moments, like Seek for Sunday, and rhythms, like fixed hour prayer on your phone. We're all in it together. And then finally, so house of learning. This is brand new. House of learning. Think of this as seminary goes to church and becomes a crash course on all of life. So, so this is 10 seminars, one a month, skipping June and December because that's Sabbath month and then Christmas is crazy. 10 seminars for everyone. There's going to be a track for community leaders and other like kids teachers and there's a track for everyone else, reading materials and, and ways you can deepen your thought life in God. This is, so each seminar is built around one key issue, like God's thoughts on blank, God's thoughts on race, God's thoughts on justice, God's thoughts on inclusivity, God's thoughts on sexuality, on marriage, parenting, singleness, God's thoughts on doubt. How does God answer this? So what of Christianity? I'm a Christian. Christianity is true. So what? God's thoughts on that. God's thoughts on TikTok theology. And all the ex-evangelicals that love to try to debunk 2,000 years of theology or whatever. And, 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 and God's thoughts on what the word evangelical even means. And God's thoughts on himself. Why is it important that God is a trinity? Why does that matter? Can't you just love Jesus? And of course, the big question behind it all, how do we even know that we can know what God thinks? We're going to go through all that and more in House of Learning. House of Learning coming in 2023, more to come. So that is, that's it. That's the second call. God's thoughts, 2023. And, and now the third call. The, third, the fourth one is just a call to communion today. So the third one's really the last one. So, so the third one is, is a call to participate. Here it is. It's immediately tangible. Fully participate in giving to the church. This is your worship. This is my worship. So as we step into Advent and our five-year mark, we, the leadership team, we are looking for 100% participation in giving from this church community. This, you guys, is an opportunity for all of us to grow in discipleship and stewardship by embracing a practice of giving, not just a one-time or occasional gift. So if you've been to this church for long, um, if you've been here very long at all, you know like I don't talk about giving that much. We'll do like the giving liturgy 
Um, I'll talk about generosity, but I don't talk about giving to the church. And now some of that is like my own trauma, <laughs> you know, as a pastor's kid and not wanting to be associated with a church that's always asking for people's money. But that's my own issue that I'm working through. Uh, it's also really important for your discipleship to Jesus that you are sacrificially giving to your church family. And sometimes routine giving becomes no longer sacrificial. So, so, so I'm in this place where because of my trauma that I need to grow out of, I don't like talking about giving, but a big part of my job as a pastor is your discipleship to Jesus. So here I am, you guys. Let's grow together in this. Let's grow together. End of year 2022, we're looking for 100% participation in giving. And so, so it's, it's the end of the year, so it's worth talking about for taxes and all that stuff, right? We live in a country where taxes meets the nonprofit world. And so all the nonprofits you get emails from are talking about end of year giving. So we want to bring it up too. <laughs> so we've never done a year end, we've never done a year end campaign. We've never, like a thermometer and like, here's the goal. And like, I actually think that's a really good thing to do. And I think we will probably do that in the future. Um, I think a giving campaign with like a thermometer and a goal and a reason and a project behind it is a great way for a church to mature. But after talking and praying with our board of directors and our elder team, we've decided to hold off on an official giving campaign and, and just invite you to seek the spirit to exercise faith, and to respond with joy at the end of this year. So, so we might do like a campaign with a goal next year, but for this year, to mark five years, we're gonna widen the call. Here's the call. Here it is. To celebrate five years as we approach end of year 2022, we're calling for 100% participation in giving from every member of this family. So for those of you who don't give regularly, Please commit to a spiritual practice of giving as worship. This is the call. For those of you who do give regularly, please consider increasing your regular giving to mature in your sacrificial worship. Also, everybody seek the Spirit on what a year-end gift, a crown, really, marking this moment of five years, what would a year-end gift look like? For you to say, here you go, Jesus. Thank you for counting me part of your church. So this call to give is a little more specific, isn't it? Than the nor it's a little more serious. It should feel that way. It's a serious moment where we're, where we're being called to mature, all of us. So with all the dreams God has on our hearts, we're asking the Spirit to move us together into a new level of maturity. So let's seek the Spirit, exercise faith, and respond with joy. Just ask him even now, Holy Spirit, how are you moving me to be part of that call? Which brings us to the fourth and final call, and that is participate in the body of Christ through the bread and cup. That's what we're gonna do right now, just like we do every week. You guys, eating and drinking communion. Did you know eating and drinking communion is intended to function as proof that we're participating in everything else already? Did you know this? Paul talks about the bread and the cup. Like, don't drink it if there's, like, anyone who needs something around you. That's the whole problem in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, don't drink in an unworthy manner if you are filled and there's someone thirsty. Don't eat to your fill if there's someone hungry. That's eating and drinking unworthy. So, so, so really, when we come to the table, it's, it's a statement saying, we're sharing in the life of Jesus, but we're also, this is proof we're already sharing with each other. And so Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share one loaf. So, so, so you're about to come to communion now, and you know what you're saying. When you're, when you're do, taking communion, you're saying, hey man, see me, come to the table, see this bread and cup, we're in this, we're in this, we're in this thing, aren't we? Like same loaf, same loaf, bro, like same vine. That's what Paul just said. It's like same vine, same team, same page. Like I'm all the way for you, all, all, you're all the way for me. If I go down, 
You're going to give what you can sacrificially to bring me back up. That's what you're saying when you're taking this thing. Fully participating with our time, money, service, gifts, you name it, we share it. All for the victory of Christ the King. Christ the King Sunday. We are seeing his victory be, be, be rolled out through this church into the world until he comes again. So we have so much to celebrate. Can we stand together? We're going to sing. I'm going to call us to the table right away. Jesus has so many crowns on his head. We just saw them. We saw pictures of Jesus' crowns. So church family, can we respond in faith? Can, you res- can we respond in faith? Let's participate in Advent. You guys, get those boxes. Leave the room with a box for your family or your community. And, and let's participate in giving like never before as a church, as worship. That's the call, church family. So let's prepare our hearts for the bread and cup. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you. Thank you for giving us victory and washing our robes white and clean. Thank you for bleeding on your robes so that you might cleanse ours. Thank you for bringing us into your family. When we were lost, now we belong. And now, Lord, as a statement of trust, we come to you believing that you've given us everything we need in you. And so how can we not respond with joy? How can we not respond with joy? We praise you, Lord.